Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young onset Parkinson's called Rebound. If you know someone with Parkinson's or you know nothing about Parkinson's, you will want to read Brian's story. Order your copy on Amazon or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader? Audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. I'm hyper aware of how much dedication goes into simply making it as a professional athlete. The dedication, the discipline, the God-given talent. And that last one doesn't carry as big of a percentage as some people would like to think, which is why I am measured in my, I don't even like using the word criticism, so let's go with analysis or perspective on what a player has done, is doing, or will do. Yes, there is luck involved. Yes, having a certain physique can open the door, especially in basketball, that someone with a less obvious physique suited for basketball has to open the door themselves. Which brings me to this episode's topic, the class of 2021 Basketball Hall of Fame, Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame, which will be inducted along with all the other pomp, circumstance, teary, and sometimes cringy acceptance speeches. I've attended a few of the ceremonies, so I know firsthand what it means for the inductees to stand in front of a group of their peers, many of them all-time greats in their own right, and be recognized for what is essentially their life's work. But there's always this nexus between the glory and magnificence of what is created on a basketball court and the business of making money off of that glory and magnificence. The tarnish occurs when the selling catches our attention first. And that's what has me wincing about this year's Hall of Fame class. It's quantity over quality. 
There are 16 inductees going in. The largest class since 17 were inducted in 1961. That matched the biggest class ever, which was the very first when 17 went in in 1959. It makes all the sense in the world that at the very start, the classes would be big. The hall was making up for lost time, and as a hall of fame for all of basketball, high school, college, women, international, and the NBA, it has history to cover much deeper and broader than just the NBA, which dates its start to 1946. There was a lot of ground to cover, starting in 1959. When Jerry Colangelo took over as director of the Hall of Fame in 2009, excuse me, chairman of the Hall of Fame in 2009, he considered a true-up as part of his mission, seeing the Hall as a historic account of basketball and wanting to recognize former players who may have been overlooked for their contributions to the game because of race or role or gender. If I'm not mistaken, Colangelo created a veterans committee that would select either one or two candidates every year. It's the, the ABA, the American Basketball Association Committee, has been since disbanded, but, uh, and I believe the veterans has too, but Colangelo made it a point of wanting to bring in names and people that he thought had been overlooked or forgotten. Under Colangelo, Goose Tatum, considered the original clown prince of the Harlem Globetrotters, whose career ended in 1955 and who died in 1967, was inducted. So were the All-American Redheads, a barnstorming women's team that played from 1936 to 1986. So was the 1960 U.S. Olympic team, which won its games by an average of 42 points and is regarded as the greatest amateur team ever. As was Don Barksdale, the first black player to be selected, an NCAA All-American, play on the U.S. Olympic team, and play in an NBA All-Star game. He last played in 1955 and died in 1993. Now, Colangelo didn't have to reach very far his first year to make quite a splash. Didn't have to get creative at all. The first class under his direction consisted of Michael Jordan, Jerry Sloan, David Robinson, John Stockton, and the women's college basketball coach Vivian Stringer. I was there for it. It felt historic. I believe Colangelo should have looked at that class and said, well, I'm never going to do better than that, so I shouldn't even try. But that's not how he's approached it. I can't help but feel Jerry set a bar that he has tried to reach every year since, which just isn't realistic. The Hall of Fame is a lot like the draft. We expect that they will both include legendary names or talents every single time. But there's no guarantee of that. Sometimes they don't. The difference is, for the league to function, a draft has to be held every year, and it has to include a set number of picks, whether there's franchise-level talent available to pick or not. But the Hall of Fame doesn't have to induct anyone if they're not worthy. Technically. Realistically, they have to have some sort of induction ceremony every year. The secret, I'd say, would be to be strategic. 
I'm not suggesting intentionally holding back anyone who deserves to be in on a first ballot. But would there be harm in holding a particular inductee back a year rather than just adding several inductees the following year? That inductee that was held back a year, they might go from the second big name on the list to the first. For example, Shaquille O'Neal, Yao Ming, and Allen Iverson all were part of the 2016 class. One year ahead of the 2017 class that featured Tracy McGrady and George McGinnis as the headliners. Now, I know some people are out there thinking that Tracy McGrady was all that. For the scope of his career, for a guy who never got out of the first round, he doesn't hold a candle to Shaq, Yao Ming, and Allen Iverson. Now, do you think Yao would have had an issue if he'd been part of the 2017 class? And don't you think that class would have been a hell of a lot sexier with him in it? Besides, it would have created a great storyline. While they didn't have much in common as players or people, Yao had so much love and respect for T-Mac as a teammate, he would have been thrilled to go in with him. If your complaint is that the business aspect of the Hall of Fame is now influencing who goes in when, under my idea, I'd say you're right. But there's no way to get away from the fact that there's a business element. And what's worse, spreading out a clump of worthy inductees over more than one class, or having a class that looks to be empty of truly, no doubt, no questions asked, Hall of Fame figures. Exposing the fact that it's not solely about who is truly Hall of Fame worthy, but who is Hall of Fame eligible and most worthy in any given year. For those who aren't aware, this year's class is as follows. Val Ackerman, Rick Adelman, Chris Bosh, Bob Dandridge, or Bobby Dandridge, Cotton Fitzsimmons, Howard Garfinkel, Yolanda Griffith, Lauren Jackson, Clarence Jenkins, Tony Kukoc, Pearl Moore, Paul Pierce, Bill Russell, Ben Wallace, Chris Weber, and Jay Wright. Nine of the 16 are in because of their NBA accomplishments. But with Russell going in as a coach, which is another curious selection, this is probably the least impressive class of NBA players being inducted since Colangelo took over other than 2017 with T-Mac and McGinnis. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's no getting around that some classes are going to be more noteworthy or attention-getting than others. But the strategy of expanding a class to draw more attention or interest is not the answer, as this class demonstrates. How much actual buzz have you heard about this year's class and its Hall of Fame worthiness? The greatest buzz this week has been the piece SI Now did 
on Paul Pierce, in which he gives the gory details behind the video that ultimately cost him his job with ESPN, for which he made clear he is not the least repentant, saying he planned to leave anyway because he was forced to talk about LeBron all the time. That last part made me smile because it's the same complaint I had when I left ESPN nine years ago. It also doesn't do a whole lot for the hall that here is one of your Hall of Famers and the biggest story about him the week leading into his induction is about how he got fired from his media job because he was in a video with strippers and smoking dope. Colangelo and the selection committee, which remains anonymous, but I do know is changed every couple of years or so, have overseen a significant uptick in inductees. There are now 432 members of the hall, including this year's class, and 141 have been inducted under Colangelo's stewardship, which, as I said, began in 2009. That means that 32.6%, nearly a third of the hall's current members were inducted in the last 13 years, which is 20% of the hall's existence, which began in 1959. Also, 75 of the 141 coming in during Colangelo's time owe their induction, at least in part, to being in the NBA which is well over 50%. For a hall that represents every faction of basketball, that seems a bit lopsided. But that is the business of basketball rearing its head again. The most troubling part of all of this for me is through the process of selecting my top 75 for the first 75 years of the NBA, I'm seeing names that did not make my cut going into the Hall of Fame, or already being there. Tracy McGrady being one. Think about it. The Hall recognizes players, coaches, executives, and other general contributors from every facet and level of the game and from all around the globe. The Hall is supposed to be the pinnacle of excellence in the game of basketball for the entire planet. Which, you would think is far stiffer competition to be part of than simply one of the best 75 in one particular league in one particular country, albeit over 75 years. And yet, by simply looking at this year's class, I see one player that I labeled as having a very, very good career, but not an all-time great one in Pierce. And another in Chris Webber, who didn't even make my list of candidates for the 1991-92 to 05-06 era. And I covered C-Web up close, both with the Warriors, Wizards, and Sacramento Kings, by virtue of being the beat writer for the first two and driving up regularly from my Bay Area home to see him play with the Kings. Of course, pretty sure that C-Web wouldn't be getting in if not for his illustrious two years at Michigan reaching the championship game two years in a row, and turning the entire flavor of college hoops on its head as part of the Fab Five. If it was just Webb's NBA career, I don't think he would get in. And as is, he had to wait a bit to do so. Now, Chris Bosh 
is on my list of candidates to consider for the 06, 07 to 2021 era, but he's far from a lock. Right now, I have selected 10 players to join LeBron, who was the first selection for the era, which leaves four more spots to fill. And Bosch is roughly one of eight or nine I'm considering for those four remaining spots. Now, I can't and won't speak on the non-NBA inductees and their worthiness because I simply don't know what that is. But every NBA player being inducted, Dandridge included, is in the very, very good category I wound up putting Pierce in while selecting my top 75. I had to laugh when Pierce basically said it would be a crime if he weren't part of this particular class, acknowledging that it's not exactly superstar studded. He's like, man, if I'm looking around at this room and I am not a star in this room, something's seriously wrong. He's not saying he's without a doubt. He's just saying, considering the competition, hell yeah, I deserve to be here. And the problem is that that then diminishes the meaning of being in the Hall of Fame for everyone in it. Yes, it may lower interest in any given year if you're stingy about admittance, but it will heighten meaning for those who do get in, and it will foster debate about who truly deserves the recognition. And that is good for business. I think about the seven years it took Raiders wide receiver Tim Brown to get inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame or how another Raiders wide receiver Cliff Branch is still trying to get in and how much that adds luster to the guys who have made the cut. And I'm familiar with that or it comes to mind simply because I live in the Bay Area and for a long time this is where the Raiders were in between taking off to LA and now being in Las Vegas. But the Basketball Hall of Fame is not doing any of that. Even if it's not fully accurate, the Naismith is in danger of fans not even debating Hall of Fame worthiness because its significance has been watered down to the point it's hard to get too worked up about it. And ultimately, that's not good for business. I'd suggest that the NBA create its own Hall of Fame and start from scratch, being far more selective this time around. But how do you create a Hall of Fame for a particular league that is more exclusive when it comes to people who played in that league than a global Hall of Fame, a Hall of Fame that you oversaw for a good part of its existence? There are no easy answers to any of this, but... There is a way to turn the ship. I have to believe that. Because when Colangelo first came on board with a number of good ideas to restore interest in the hall and who was going in it, he did that. Well, it's time to turn that ship again. Or raise the bar. Or tighten the screws. Or all the above. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I am cautiously optimistic that the next episode will be the presentation of the 15 names for the final 15 season era and completing 
the selection of my top 75 NBA players for the last 75 years. Cautiously optimistic. If nothing arises in between and my day doesn't get too crazy. I got a full day of TV. Check me out on Speak for Yourself. I'll be on the entire two hours. But there are other hours in the day and I plan to devote them to getting that list finally done. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.